Today's podcast is brought to you by drinkers like you. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. Today's episode is about MGP. Why does Miller Genuine Draft get its own episode? Midwest Grain Products? Who are they? Apparently they make alcohol, and a lot of it. Today we dig into the largest distiller you don't know, and see what they make. Spoiler alert, it's a lot. So, get ready, and have a drink. Have a drink, the show where you learn along with us about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. Uh, clearly the two of you have uh, been up to something. So, uh, Casey, uh, I believe uh, a few people in our Discord are aware of your up-toings. I was lucky enough to have a few days, um, actually all week just about except for Friday, I was working from home. And so... Working from home means you get all the things done that you need to do, and then you're already at home, so that lunch hour stretches a bit. And then you, you, you take care of all the things that you need to that pop up as they come through the day. So all the things that uh, popped up during that day I was taking care of while brewing. And so I got up at 8 o'clock and said, I'm going to start my day and start brewing this morning and see if I can get through three batches in one day. And let me tell you, it's a feat. First off, you end the day sore. But I was expecting somewhere around 12 hours probably to get through it. It usually takes me about six hours, five to six hours to brew one batch. And so I was I was going through the process and, and everything and realized that I was early on my first batch, hitting all my numbers. I was doing everything by the book, um, wasn't drinking. So um, I could make sure to, to get everything exactly as it needed to be and uh, not miss any of those numbers and was was pretty meticulous with it got got through the process amazing efficiency normally like my brew system set up so that i get about 68 percent efficiency when i'm just you know messing around um, this time i got close to 74 percent efficiency so i uh, that that's good saying Lord. a lot whenever you're you're going through on these so i was real happy with my efficiency numbers threw off my numbers a little bit i actually all my beers came out overproofed on the the liquid, and so I was will uh, be a little bit higher alcohol than what I eventually uh, was or initially had had expected to get to. But I brewed a uh, started off the day with a wheat beer, um, and then went into a uh, milk stout. So the wheat beer is going to be a tropical mm. wheat beer. Have some dry hop, uh, Citra Amarillo, I think, on that side. Stop it. I can only get so erect. <laughs> the uh, the milk stout, of course, has a pound of lactose in it. So it's going what to be good. What did I just say? I know, right? 
and then, uh, you know, everybody, it's been a long time since I've done any IPAs. And so this time around, I made an IPA that uh, since I was sitting on my numbers and everything, I was like, all right, this is going to be great. So I made an IPA. Uh, bad news. At some point throughout this IPA process, I ran out of gas, though. And so um, I didn't have my backup tank was not filled. And so I was uh, I only had like a 30 minute boil and what I was going to make as a 90 minute boil. I think it worked out, which it'll be just a little bit less bitter um, than what I was expecting. It's still in the range of an IPA, just a little bit lower bitterness. And it'll have more hop flavor with less bitterness, um, which is okay. All the aroma hops and everything will still be good, but it'll just be a little bit less bitter on that end. But uh the IPA, I think, will, will work out good. It'll be more of a West Coast-style IPA, so should be good and clear. Got good hot break. Um, wasn't being too stingy on on leaving. I was okay leaving behind some stuff in the kettles, so I didn't pull any troop over, and, and it worked out pretty well, I think. Uh, all three of them were, were farting away uh, <laughs> the next day. and so Glorious farting footage is up in the Discord for anyone who wanted to. <laughs> yeah. I'm just wondering, Casey, did you have a repeat of the time uh, I tried brewing with you? Oh, uh, with what? Uh, with the, the explosion? The... Yes. No, no, not on that one. Yeah, um, I, I made Ashley. I said, Ashley, we've got to keep the house at 67 degrees for the next two weeks. <laughs> so... Yeah, because uh, I remember just seeing a picture sent from your wife because you were, you were away and just goes like, Bob, what do I do? Well, first clean up. <laughs> yeah all that yeast decided it was uh, going to be super active um and i think i used dry yeast on that one and it has a tendency to go a little crazy but it uh these three were all i used um american l yeast uh english dry l and english uh l yeast so the the two english l yeast will have a lot of good fruity notes and then the american will be more hot board because that okay. was on the IPA, I think. No, no, no. The American actually was on the uh, wheat beer. So, oh. American wheat. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah, it's mm. a good day. We'll see how it turns out. We may have in a couple weeks a few beers to try. We'll see what happens. Tasty, tasty. Sounds good. Well. What have, what have uh, you been up to there, Justin? Dying. <laughs> I've, uh... Uh, I, I was at work and was in the middle of, like you know, clicking away, doing whatever I was doing and felt my sinus infection, felt my nose go full sinus infection. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, no, I've just been wrapped up in a cocoon Hitting the night uh, with blankets. And uh, the, the I've basically been drinking NyQuil for the, for the last few days. That's 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 the most alcoholic thing I've had. That's like that's what the diehards drink. I mean, really. Uh, so uh, if occasionally I sound like uh, like I took up uh, a 60 year smoking habit or uh, <laughs> or if I uh, uh, just suddenly go super silent uh, don't worry I'm just dying aging nerd dies today <laughs> well uh, we haven't been up to a whole lot uh, thanks to my uh, cutting back in a few areas but uh, just as I thought, we had nothing to talk about. Um, some news that there's an official announcement coming Tuesday, but everyone's wondering, 
Why, why would FC Cincinnati have rented out all of Fountain Square, hired bands, and the commissioner <laughs> of MLS be coming to Cincinnati? Hmm. <laughs> Methinks we just got into Major League Soccer. So, uh, yeah, oh, man, I, I want a Major Leagues. Yeah, I want a Major League Soccer team that's close enough that I can drive to without wanting to kill myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, um, and the rumor is it'll be next season that they will enter MLS. Wow. So, yeah. and that was not at all expected. So, well, it was expected they would get accepted in MLS, but the thought was it was going to be for the, I think, 2021 season will be before they could start. And uh, can, the ground should break before winter on the new stadium, and that's expected to be done in the next two to three years. So... We got a lot of a lot of fun things coming soccer wise to Cincinnati. All right, and oh, I'm gonna have to to come up for for some of those games then. Yeah, I swear one weekend we're just gonna have to like move the show to like Sunday again or Friday night and just be like, <laughs> anyway, we're all going to an FC game because it it just never it's always on Wednesdays and Saturdays. Dumb. Mm, yeah, I was gonna say like I could make a Wednesday game depending on my schedule. Oh wait, you guys <laughs> gotta get to bed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, right. I feel like Brittany has more things that have happened, but you might want to move on to that here in a minute. Yeah. Um, that's part of the announcements. So let's get into those. First, uh, we have a, a, a nice little update on the movie draft for uh, Diamond Club. Welcome to your BT Movie Draft Minute presented by DiamondClub.tv for the week of May 21st, 2018. I'm your host, Big Voice Jay. Daddy needs to express some rage. Where'd I put those chimichangas? But first, the scoreboard. Team Devon Squad's in last place, waiting for their first film. Team Walking Drunk is in fifth place with $37.8 million. Team Movie Party's in fourth place, thanks to Book Club bringing their total to $107.9 million. Team Game Night's in third place, with Deadpool 2's nine-figure debut, Surprise! bringing their total to $205.3 million. Team Ritual Misery's in second place with $342.9 million. And continuing their reign above all, it's Team Have a Drink with $677.5 million. That's your Movie Draft Minute. All totals are accurate as of 6 p.m. Central, Wednesday, May 23rd, 2018. So, I was afraid we were going to start dropping. Yeah, because of Deadpool. And new... (laughs) We are a good double our closest competitor. Like it would I'm okay so with this. It would take one of the teams. It would take uh, Ritual Misery since they are number two, having two of these follow-up blockbusters to come close to us in numbers. I think we have this one in the bag. Oh wow! Uh, sorry, I'm just seeing how much uh, Avengers is still doing uh, <laughs> over the last, you know, this last weekend, and I'm like, oh. You know that's that's like two weeks of a of a solid you know yeah <laughs> normal yeah man we are gonna have to coast on this thing uh, yeah we, <laughs> no we are so I think we will and with it's gonna help us uh, how quickly so Avengers had two weeks before anything else came out that was gonna steal any box office from it so uh, you everything's just rapid fire now. Week after week is the next next blockbuster, next blockbuster. So nothing else is really going to have a week over week big turnout. We have that mm-hmm. going for us, and then we still got crazy rich Asians. I mean, come on, that's it's not like it's not going to make any money. 
you know. It's Look. gonna it's it's gonna make it's gonna make Avengers money. Super Troopers. Oh, yeah. maybe not that. But <laughs> Super Troopers still number ten at the box office. Believe that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was actually just I'm I'm, I'm on box office mojo right now, which. Oh man, it ain't, it ain't I spent a whole in, lot of time on this page. It once upon a time, ain't bringing in the big numbers, but it's bringing in some numbers. Yeah, we had to bring get it in. Though. It's bringing yeah. in a million dollars, which every bit helps. It's oh, yeah. part of our brand. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we have. Part, it's branding, it really and uh, every little bit will keep. When we're in this coasting phase, everything we can get. <laughs> like it's. Yeah. I'm just saying, if we do this again, and they happen to be running uh, a, a, a beer fest too. We're blowing all our money on that, guys. $100. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like, straight off the Branding. bat, we save everything for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm i not surprised that we didn't get knocked down too much by Deadpool. And I don't think it's going to happen with Solo either. What I, The only one I'm worried about is Incredibles 2 because it's, um, it's being predicted to have, like, stupid numbers. Like, I mean, it, it, plus, you know. It's the first and kind of the biggest family-friendly movie to see this this summer, or this year, really. Actually, uh, I, that that's the only one I'm kind of a little concerned about. All right. Indeed. Well. Uh, yes. Yeah, so a uh, couple other announcements. Um, our next episode is going to be next Saturday, June second, nine p.m. Eastern time, and we are recovering Berliner Weiss, um, which shockingly we haven't done yet. <laughs> um. And then hopefully there there will be a, a tasting of a uh, homemade Berliner Weiss. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's uh, my my mo this past few uh, brews has been brew it bigger, and so this one I did not calculate the sugar content of jelly <laughs> or preserves. <laughs> Um, in order to get a real good ripe strawberry flavor, you've got to either use preserves or uh, or Fresh strawberries or frozen strawberries, and can't preserve my strawberries. Never mind. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like, I, I found like, a, a really uh, basically the simple ingredient list. It was preserves with just basically strawberries, sugar, and 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 gelatin in it. And so um, I added three pounds of that. Apparently, that has like more sugar than three pounds of sugar has in it. <laughs> And and I'm not kidding. Once you took the number of grams per serving and multiplied it by the number of servings, that many, like three pounds of sugar and three pounds of preserves, the preserves actually had more sugar in it because it was in liquid form. Oh, wow. And it can condense. So, yeah, when you're you're eating jelly and preserves, just think, you know, it's sh- more sugary than, than sugar. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That sucks. <laughs> I my love cousin jelly. Made, my cousin had, like, some strawberry preserves, and all I was, all they, they were putting it on Facebook, and all I could think of was, I want some biscuits and I want them right now. Oh yeah. <laughs> mm, yeah. Sorry. Now now I'm just hungry. Um, there's, there's rarely <laughs> a point when I don't want biscuits and jelly. We'll make some breakfast. Uh, uh, but of, yeah, so it's yeah. an imperial, and so it should should be fairly flavorful. I am pumped for that. So not many Berliners, uh, Berliner Weisses coming in that big. So yeah. no, it, it'll be nine to eleven percent probably. It's the beginning of a new trend. <laughs> so and also uh, just a just a quick heads up, uh, everyone will be in studio next week for recording. Mm-hmm. See, I was hesitant to say it just in and case something happens. So no, we're going to be recording. God up willing, and the, God yeah. willing, and the creek don't rise. Yeah, <laughs> the famous saying from from the homelands: God willing, and the creek don't rise. So um, if you happen to be around 
it probably randomly throughout the day, uh, Saturday next week, we are going to be recording and streaming a whole bunch of uh, stuff for our patrons. But you can catch it on here for the video stuff. But our patrons will have the audio available to them exclusively even after it goes down off of here. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, see, I was trying to transition a minute ago to, like, speaking of wanting to eat all the time. Uh, <laughs> speaking of biscuits and jelly. Right. Um, <laughs> Uh, this isn't, like, that important. <laughs> I don't know. I just uh, no, no, to, it's very important. I just wanted to share it. But, um, so I finally started doing a live stream slash podcast for this, uh, It's about time that, that you did a live stream and a podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. Oh, wait. It, <laughs> other than this. Yeah, but just, it's weird, by the way, on my, on my own doing it. I'm very critical of myself. Uh, but... She'll only do it when I'm asleep. <laughs> The one time I've done it, he happened to go to bed early. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm doing a uh, live stream and podcast about this whole, like, first-time pregnancy journey thing. And uh, the first one I kind of talked about, like, you know, our our road to this since, you know, we had some, some issues getting there. Um, and uh, the things, a lot of the things that people don't tell you about during pregnancy. Because <laughs> they don't tell you a lot. Yeah, it turns out. Um because they want you to do it. <laughs> and on the next one, um, I was going to talk about, uh, you know, the the some of the changes that happen near the second trimester, and um, <laughs> and uh, some of the apps that I'm using, because um, it's it's actually pretty handy to be pregnant in 2018 and have so many resources at your disposal. Just picturing an app, you just place your stomach on your on your belly and go, "All right, baby." Oh. I now check your health. It's interesting. Uh, Some of it's not too far off from that. The variety of uh, fruits that they like to compare. Well, your baby is the size I'm of a I'm definitely going to talk about that, yeah. That's... Your baby's the size of a raspberry. Your baby's the size of a lime. And you're like, am I making a cocktail? Or, like, what's going on? <laughs> it's, a, it's a cornucopia on there. Uh, so, yeah. So... Get some rum and you're good to go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but, so, yeah, you can find it. Um, so, my channel is... Uh, um, my my username is spiced and hoppy spiced underscore the letter n underscore and hoppy um so that's uh, on twitch.tv slash spice and hoppy and then um the podcast itself is under have a baby because branding um <laughs> always so, be branding uh, and, and <laughs> always be branding yes i think i'm gonna i'm gonna be doing this stream wednesdays um around 6 6 30 p.m eastern so uh, if you do want to see the live stream for that, that's that's when that will be. Um, and it sucks because I was hoping to have my blood work results back by the next show, and it's not going to be, it's going to be too soon. So that's a, maybe by the, the one after that, I'll be good. <laughs> um, but oh well. Uh, yeah, so that's, I think that's it for the announcements, but we do have some news to talk about. Um, Indeed. <laughs> All right. Sorry, I was uh, dealing with the chat, hoping that the lag was gone. So, uh, there is something to do with our beloved pastime that doesn't get talked about a lot. So, uh, coming out in an article on the Morning Advertiser, we have uh, Beer Industries Not Discussing Mental Health and Alcohol Link. Uh, Sean Hill, founder of Hill Farmstead Brewery uh, in Vermont, has uh, criticized the drinking culture 
is encouraged by the beer industry and called for more discussion around coping with alcohol abuse and addiction from within the beer community. It would be amazing if at uh, Craft Brewers Conference, an American Beer Festival and Conference, uh, one year there was a seminar or talk on dealing with alcohol. It would probably be the worst attended seminar ever because nobody wants to admit it. I don't know anyone in the beer uh, world who isn't struggling with it. Look at every photo from festivals like uh, McKellar Beer Collaboration or Celebration. Yeah, Celebration. I, I keep wanting to see Collaboration. <laughs> People are just drinking 10 glasses of beer every day and living this wild traveling lifestyle. It really isn't healthy. Hill also described how his own mental health suffered after his brewery was awarded the title of best brewery in the world by U.S. website Rate Beer for the first time in 2013. Uh, he claimed that he thinks about shutting down his brewery every single day due to stress. Uh, so when... When the first Rate Beer Award came out, uh, we had five employees, which, given the time, I still find that kind of odd that that brewery only had five employees then. Mm. Uh, it's about quality, not quantity. Exactly. So, yeah. uh, but he said, and the bathroom and the office were in his house. People started coming to visit the brewery and waiting outside in the rain and snow, so we needed to borrow money and construct new buildings. I don't really remember much of 2014 through 2016, uh, they are complete black holes to me. If I met you during that time, I wouldn't remember. Imagine brewing four to five days a week, managing a 15,000 square foot build out, uh, while also trying to keep your girlfriend, staff, and customers happy. It was too much. My mental health at the time, my mental health was at the time, uh, probably shit, he continued. I was doing 12 to 14 hour days, and because I live 15 feet away from the brewery, there was very little decompression. I would typically drink too much in order to artificially decompress, and then I wouldn't sleep well. Then when I woke up, I would still be tired, so then I would drink as much caffeine as I could. This is all starting to sound a little familiar. Which uh, would then accelerate an overall sense of anxiety. It was a vicious circle. Uh, I felt like it, shutting down the brewery he's referring to, I felt like it every single day. Uh, but at the same time, you need that darkness to define your success or have something to aspire to. It is only in uh, relation to that time in my life that you then become begin to understand and put yourself into a better position. So I really felt like he goes, the article goes on and on, like it was an in-depth article and interview, but a lot of these points he's bringing up are very much correct. So mm -hmm. it's, the industry is not talking about any of this. Like, no. nowhere. Like, we just came away from the Brewers Association big annual meeting, and nothing, I don't, they didn't address anything like this. Like he's saying, if they were, no one would attend that panel. Yeah. Because all of this stuff is bad for business. But something, like, this needs to be addressed, and it's something, like, I've even talked about from the beginning of the show. We want to do an episode on alcoholism and all these things. And they're not fun topics. Those won't be fun no. episodes, but they're going to happen. And that's why we picked this for the main show. We wanted, we wanted to discuss it. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's something that, that does need to need to be addressed. It, you know, it's affecting, you know, huge amounts of people. As opposed, you know, I don't want to say, I suppose that's, Sorry, verbal tick. Um, but they, uh, I don't know. It 
it's hard when you you know you, you get excited because you do go to these these big events you want to enjoy everything have fun but it leads to over drinking which is not good for you and it also leads you know if someone's an alcoholic they can say hey this is just a nice you know hobby that can make it seem fine and you know what I, I joke that i you know it's like that i have a problem but you know i i try to be very conscious about what i'm doing when we're drinking because it's it's a slippery slope sometimes yeah yeah it really is so um i had gotten swallowed up by uh the craft lifestyle you could say and the local scene and it went like every other weekend i was you know somewhere in line every saturday morning drinking a lot of beer and that had become kind of what i was even showing up for it didn't matter what i was buying it mattered what the line share was going to be and i knew where the good line shares were where the bad ones were and just going out every saturday and i gained 30 plus pounds over the just this past year from doing this because I had dropped my old lifestyle of getting being extremely active on the weekends, getting up early, going hiking seven miles or so, stuff like that, to no, I was getting up early, stopping, grabbing some Chick-fil-A, and then going to the line, drinking a bunch, eating, and then coming home, taking a nap, waking up, eating more. <laughs> it led to a very unhealthy lifestyle that I have had to change. Yeah. yeah. And... <sighs> Let's let's be honest here. This isn't this article specifically, and and the issues that are happening inside the industry are not completely alcoholism related. Right. right. These issues are based around, and I like to call it the Pokemon generation. <laughs> um, gotta gotta get them all. We gotta get them all. We're we're collectors of sorts. Whenever something comes out, we want to have everything of it. We want to try everything. Um, craft beer has taken this attitude and this perspective of if there's 17 beers at a at a brewery i want to try all 17 i want to try tasters of them so it's a little bit more appropriate but i want to try all 17 of them and i want to drink my way through them and try everything and then i want to go check in on my phone and make sure everybody else knows because there's so many different psychological aspects to to the way beer is marketed and the way beer is is made um I don't want to say it's it's strictly on any certain individual. It's not. It's the industry as a whole that has this this persona and this interest in in keeping you in something that you should really be taking in moderation. Yeah. And so you know when you get into um, <laughs> listening to podcasts about <laughs> beer all the time, or when you're you're always Shh, on, I know, right? <laughs> don't draw attention to, it. or when you're always on the phone. Um, uh, checking in on Untapped, or when you've got to be, like Chris, like you were saying, got to be at every release because of the social aspect of it. Um, it reminds me a lot of my days in World of Warcraft when you were looking for people to show up and you, you kind of felt disappointed if they weren't there. People were yeah. counting on you to be there. People were counting on you to kind of be part of this community. And if that person wasn't in the beer line that week, somebody missed them. And that attitude and that that uh, philosophy of we've all got to be there is good. I mean, to a certain extent, but then it can have the the consequences. It's good uh, community within. building, but it's also there are aspects of it that can lead to unhealthy things. Yep. Yeah. Because what happens whenever 
um, you're you're spending. Uh, in my case, you know what what happens when you're spending too much money on things like uh, uh, all the new beer releases. You know, if I go out and I, I say I've got to have, if I go to Asheville, I've got to have one of everything. Well, that's that's a that's, tall tall order in Asheville. Yeah, that's that's a lot of things. <laughs> and so you know, we got to think. Okay, how long do I have to save up before I can I can go to Asheville and spend spend for all all the beers? Um, so it's things like that, you know, you can, you can worry about those types of, of issues as a brewer, but all in all, it's something that has to change through a, a a societal shift, um, and, and the way things are done. This is a club. This is an, uh, an unofficial group of people that really respect each other and, and try to grow with each other. And so let's just help each other out on that end and say, Hey, you know, feel, feel free to say, Hey. You know, I've seen you at a lot of these events. Um, how are things going? Is everything okay? You know, and and you see that person that every single time they're they're out in public, they're getting plastered. You know, check and see what's going on because they may have other issues. So let's just be good good stewards and good friends with each other on that. Exactly. Yeah. So that was kind of one of my realizations when I was going to enough of these things to be like, oh, I haven't seen so and so in a little bit. Where you know, yeah. and then. You don't see them again, like at a couple in a row. You're like, huh? I wonder. I wonder what's up. And then it's like, I shouldn't be able to make that. Like, I shouldn't be able to be sitting here going, well, where's so and so? I haven't seen him in like a month. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. that, it's like that guy's from Indianapolis. I only like, I shouldn't. I only see him at beer releases. I shouldn't be concerned about him because of that. I should be concerned if I see him. If the fact that I am here more than he is, like, this, there's a problem. <laughs> Of sorts, maybe. It just depends, you know. It, it it's moderation. That's the key. Yeah. And, right. And if you're trying to catch all the Pokemon, that's not moderation. Right. Speaking of catching all the Pokemon, um, <laughs> I think it's time to move on to Untapped. Oh yes. Riggedy, riggedy, a place where it is very safe. Poor to catch transition, them all. but like no, a really good it transition. Good, it's a good segue for a bad but. <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> but it does undercut the point. Um, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> all right. So first up, we've got uh, Yard, House, uh, Yard House Signature House Beers as a uh, new badge. Yard House is known for offering hundreds of unique beers from breweries around the world. But did you know they also have their own selection of six deliciously crafted house beers? Yard House partnered with Uinta Brewing in Salt Lake City, uh, Utah, hmm. as opposed to Salt Lake City, Washington. <laughs> Sorry, uh, to create uh, the their Honey House Blonde, the House White Ale, the House I, uh, and the House IPA, each one crafted to be among the finest in that individual style. They also partnered with ah crap, Bra- Brauver, sure, von Steinberg. <laughs> Nailed it. I'm gonna God, guess yeah. it's German. Yeah. Uh, well, to create their house Belgian golden. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, so yeah. so I'm going to guess they're Belgian, which is you know German with a bit of French. <laughs> yeah. Which and, makes it uh, doubly the... hard to say. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, please tell me you know how to say it. Brewery. <laughs> oh, is that brewery? Oh. Yeah. Oh, geez. That's Basically, like it's to, brewery that's like, in. Yeah. It's, it's spelling fish. G o g h o t i. It's probably bravery, but. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Brauerei von Steinberg, the uh, to create uh, the House Belgian Gold Nail, 
Brasserie de Silly in Belgium to produce their uh, House Belgian Pilsner and House Belgian Amber Triple, a rich, multi-complex, authentic Belgian Belgian ale. You know, when we were doing an American distillery, I didn't think I was going to get words today. Right. Uh, so the next time you're at Yard House uh, and looking for something unique, be sure to check into their lineup of house beers. Plus, if you do, you unlock an all-new badge. Check into three house beers from Yard House uh, listed below between May 14th and June 3rd uh, and earn the Yard House signature badge. And the ones below are the things I mentioned in the description. The House IPA, the Belgian Amber Triple, the Honey Blonde, the White Ale, the Belgian Golden, and the Belgian Pilsner. All right. Um, you're not the only one with some words. Uh, the next badge... <laughs> Week van het Nederlands beer. Nederlands. Dutch beer week is uh Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, that that's why I summed it up quite uh yeah. quite easily there. It's just Dutch beer week. Uh so get ready to celebrate week these of the Netherlands beer. <laughs> yeah. Uh seventh annual uh Dutch beer week, also known as uh oh yeah, sorry. Uh with over five hundred and fifty breweries operating in the Netherlands many of which are available all over the world, you too can discover the wide world of Dutch beer. Mm. No matter where you live, join the celebration of Dutch Beer Week by unlocking this year's commemorative badge. Check in any three different beers produced by a brewery from the Netherlands between May 24th and June 3rd. That is not a lot of time, kids. Uh, And the Dutch Beer Week 2018 badge is yours. Um, Dicky, dicky, Dutch badge. I've got a link on here to go look at like there's I know there's a couple of Dutch beers we can get a hold of that's what I'm wondering like what what is really involved there yeah not sure just some Dutch beer I guess Hmm. cool well then moving on to an app update for the untapped app there are some new improvements that are coming out for both ios and android first off the improvements include you can check into a beer from nearby venue page so it'll come up and pop up and ask you hey it's not creepy that we know where you are right now are you really there (laughs) Uh, and then you can check into that venue page. Uh, we suggest, or they suggest, the latest checked-in beers from that location and pre-fill a new check-in for you with the location and the beers you selected. So make it a little easier to check into locations that way. Hmm. There's also some reorganized settings. Um, the configurable app settings have been grouped into account, notifications in general. Feature wording is more clear and consistent. I'm sure they've also put out a new terms of service because uh, it seems like everybody has. Yeah. Everybody has. <laughs> uh, you can view details in the check-in app. I think this one's actually one of the coolest ones. You can view, click view details to view more information, including flavor profile tags and comments on a specific beer. So it doesn't just necessarily throw it directly in. You can kind of pop on that. And this look is at something it. that I have really wanted out of the app yep. because uh, I know. I use it this way, and I know a few other people that do, but when purchasing beer, using it, looking the beers up in advance, and so you can go ahead and check it, and it gets kind of tedious going through each individual one, so now that you can just pull this stuff up off of the one, off of the thing that you pull up initially, is going to streamline that process so I'm not standing in the beer aisle forever swiping up through everybody's stuff. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, they've added a new sponsor, a new, new, uh, show a way to show sponsored content whenever you actually get an offer card after you've checked in it says hey have you checked out this cool deal you can get somewhere else it was kind of obvious on those that they were sponsored um but now those can be uh 
dismissed and and it shows that they are uh sponsored ads and not just something that the ad puts in um you can add beer now by scanning upcs in the list um Wasn't you can that a also... thing that ios had for a bit i think you've been able to do so. it for a minute on both so okay. you can um you can add it to a list now though oh, and so you can okay, do a okay. list you can check in before it. with it yep. that's it okay okay yeah, they're expanding um, that scanning. Account creation with Facebook. They've done some improvements there um, with related to permissions, of course. Um, <laughs> the There's some technical stuff with dynamic JavaScript. Uh, you can add the ability to show all beers in the app on a brewery's beer list, including vintages, variants, and out-of-production beers. Nice. So if, you've you have, can, if you happen to be doing, uh, I don't know, some weird vertical of years <laughs> of uh, Bourbon County, <laughs> it might make it easier to... Absolutely. And you can filter by style and sort by uh, various different categories as well. Um, and I think one of the coolest things that they've added in there is the find beers nearby from wish list and custom list. So you can create a list and then you can add in and it'll go in and look nearby to see, oh, is this on your your list that you are looking for things? And um, it'll it'll pop in. Hey, five miles away, you can get this beer. And so if you've got something that you're looking for, it'll show you where you can find it. I'm sure this doesn't really work with most of what we would want to use it for, those rare things. Um, by the time it's popped up there, it's probably already gone. But just in case, it's there. Yeah, so if someone pops up, even though it's impossible because they don't keg it, but if it just popped up like, hey, the Dark Lord just tapped over it. Because you, you can set up alerts. Like, if this taps near me, alert me. Right. And so if they alert you, oh, this is on tap, you know, 12 miles away, and you better get over there. And by the time you've gotten that alert that it's on draft there and the time you get there, it's probably gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, if you want to check us out on Untapped, Chris is under Walker X 42 uh, Justin is under Bob of Thunder without the U. Uh, and then Casey's just Casey Price. <laughs> Someone had to try to and be all, be all easy. And mine is spiced and hoppy, but of course I will not be checking in for a minute. <laughs> not a lot going on over there. Yeah. Not until there's there's sparkling waters added on on top. I know, right? <laughs> that was still my I, favorite. I keep walking by the the, the Michael Bublé. <laughs> that was still my like, favorite oh, thing Brittany. from that interview yeah. is him complaining about people wondering why they can't check into their carbonated like tequila beverage because <laughs> it's not beer. <laughs> why can't I check in to my to my rum? It's not beer. Why what can't part I, of this are you having? Why can't I check into this? Hands over the bottle, sir. This is Worcestershire sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Why can't I check into this, sir? That's a taco. I don't. <laughs> okay, now, can't even drink this. You should definitely be able to check into tacos <laughs> somewhere. Look, I've had I've had some issues with Taco Bell recently, so let's. Oh no no. <laughs> we have a love hate relationship with Taco Bell, yeah. but I believe we have a topic. Yes, we do. Taco and there's never, right. there's hardly a point when I don't want Taco Bell. Let, let's go ahead and <laughs> uh, check the uh, flaming comments here. You can direct uh, any comments about this topic to the show's uh, email. Feedback at haveadrinkshow.com. Because <clears throat> this is a hot button, hot button topic in the whiskey world. 
Mm. All right. Well, today we are going to be talking about the largest American distiller that you've probably never heard of. And you most definitely never had a uh, distillery tour there, mainly because they don't give them to the public. Uh, Midwest Grain Products, usually referred to MGP, uh, is one of the fastest-growing American distilleries. In 2017, their net sales uh, totaled $347 million. Oh, pardon. And you've probably had some of their products without knowing. Headquartered in Atchison, Kansas, uh, MGP began in uh, 1941 as a small distillery operation at the heart of America's Grain Belt. Uh, founder Cloud L. Cray Sr. felt the company's location and existing infrastructure were the ideal base for which to grow a business that would serve the needs of its uh, customers. MGP is located right in the middle of the products needed most, uh, corn, wheat, barley, and rye. The company is traded publicly, and with the whiskey boom in the last few years, they have grown tremendously. If you have brought, uh, bought $100 stock five years ago, it would be well worth, uh, be worth well over uh, two, $2,200 today. Ooh, that's a nice return on investment. Twenty yep. <clears throat> twenty-two fold in five years. I'll take that. Yeah, that's that's fine. <laughs> <sighs> so, um, MGP has uh, focus in two industry segments. The first one we aren't concerned with uh, today, but it's worth mentioning. They make food ingredients, mostly wheat, for national and multinational companies. Products like Pregel, Midsole, and FP. 300 provide texture to baked goods, while Trutex can uh, Trutex wheat protein can replicate the look and feel of meat with no aftertaste. Weird. Yeah, that that is that's really creepy. <laughs> um, this is what uh, MGP said in 2018 uh, news uh, news release about the product. Uh, when hydrated, Trutex takes on the appearance of texture and meat as a result of the unique qualities. These include a fibrous structure identical to chicken and pulled pork, for instance, as well as selections that resemble crumbled beef, which are just right for producing beef-like patties, filling for tacos, burritos, and wraps, as well as principal ingredients for sloppy joe mixes, chili, and similar dishes. Uh. So those, so those vegetarian chicken nugget, uh, chicken and uh, chicken-like nuggets uh, may be made from this product. And you know what? It's also GMO-free, and it may help feed the world someday with the rise of overpopulation. Yeah. So the real product MGP makes uh, we want to talk about today <clears throat> is their distilled spirits. Have you ever found uh, curious how a new distillery uh, local to you opens up within a few weeks and are selling six-year-old uh, bourbon? because they, It's because they didn't make it and they instead source the bourbon from a mass producer like MGP. MGP makes multiple recipes of distilled alcohol. Uh, in bourbon they carry five recipes ranging from 99% corn to 36% rye, uh, 40 uh, 5% wheat, and even uh, a 51-49 split that, uh, with just corn and barley malt. Their American whiskey line makes rye, wheat, uh, barley malt, and corn whiskey in seven different recipe formations. If you're uh, ever looking to make a vodka, they create two different grain neutral spirits, uh, one of which is non-GMO verified. Uh, they uh, even have six different gin recipes ranging from standard citrus berry and cucumber. All of these products are food-grade alcohol used in beverage, uh, but the company also creates food-grade industrial alcohol used in pharmaceuticals, uh, beauty and food industry, as well as uh, other industrial uses. So uh, a lot of... They got some things. A lot of fingers and a lot of different pies. Yeah, most of it just focused on taking, alcohol, taking wheat products and turning them into wheat byproducts. Hmm. Yeah. And so they'll take wheat and turn it into a protein, or they'll take wheat and, and ferment it out into bourbon. Um, 
or, or, or corn or, or barley or whatever, but wheat's their big. Taking wheat, turning it into tacos. <laughs> so really, exactly. what I'm getting out of this is they kind of started as a corporation kind of like Alltech. Yeah. And this is just kind of what was a side jag for them, but has become extremely popular <clears throat> and kind of what they're known for. But they were already internationally known for other things. So, yeah. so I'm just saying. This does answer my question of how people are just starting up with, uh, with new distilling places. Yeah, that's like, yeah. that's like, oh, this brewery just started, and I'm able to purchase bottles now. But we'll get more into that. So yep. MGP purchased the Indiana facility that makes most of the liquor we will be talking about today in 2011 for around 15 million dollars. Not, uh, not a small chunk of change. Prior to the purchase, it was known as the Lawrenceburg Distilleries. Indiana, or LDI. The facility located in the city of Lawrenceburg in the southeast corner of Indiana, about 10 miles from our current location, <laughs> uh, was established in 1847 under the name Rossville Distillery. Uh, through the years, it has been owned and operated at various periods mm. by Joseph E. Seagram. I'm sure that's a name many uh, people will Seagram's. know. Seagram's. Yep. Uh, and Sons, and... Uh, Pernod Ricard, on April 19th, 2006, Pernod Ricard announced plans to close the distillery, but instead sold it in 2007 to CL Financial, a holding company based in Trinidad and Tobago, which renamed it Lawrenceburg Distilleries, Indiana. The sale of LDI in 2011 allowed MGP to develop more premium spirits instead of their traditional food-grade alcohols. The company purchased the distillery facility, bulk barrel aging and storage facility, blending operations, and a tank farm. They did not, however, purchase the bottling and packaging side of the business located next door, which was to be <coughs> sold to another buyer. <laughs> they're, they're interested in bulk production and not really bottling as much. Yeah, um... MGP not only ferments and distills their products, they also barrel-age their products in warehouses in the Midwest. Their Indiana facility barrel-ages bourbon for years to have products to sell to upstart distilleries. If you look at the big picture, many of your favorite new products probably came from MGP, especially if they are rye whiskey, because that is a thing to remember here. Uh, MGP is the largest producer of rye whiskey in the world, aren't they? Um, probably. Uh, maybe. I have heard it touted uh, elsewhere that that is the case. Uh, we will get into more of those brands later, though, and let you know the brands there that are actually from MGP. I'm just saying, full disclosure, before we started uh, doing this episode, I didn't know who this who what this company was. I so. knew. Mm-hmm. I knew. Of and they them. like it that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Beck, as we are as we are going through this, I went, oh. Never mind. I understand why I don't know they exist. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I had to. They like it that way, and we had to do the. Uh, I think everyone kind of did the uh, shelf second glance to see do I own one of these products? <laughs> I do not. I uh, don't think we were all as fortunate, though. Uh, the entire <laughs> whiskey revolution and the introduction of newer whiskey brands may not have been possible without MGP. So there is a silver lining to this. Uh, Though either good planning or a crystal ball, 
MGP had increased production and had whiskey aging before the peak of the bourbon boom. When new producers wanted to open a distillery, they knew who to come to for their product. MGP can sell in either the barrel or by bulk tanker truck. Tens of thousands of gallons of aged bourbon and rye. Wow. These mm. upstarts would... Yeah, I know. It makes your mouth water. <laughs> These upstarts would be able to purchase uh, the pre-aged whiskey and bottle it... or. Yeah, and bottle it in their own facility, or even in some cases through another company's bottling line. There are some whiskey companies where their main place of business is a standard office, and they are basically a marketing and branding company. Some of these whiskey companies, however, are in the process of opening a distillery and need a product to sell while they wait for their own bourbon to age, and that was see that's 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 the scenario I like to imagine is what's happening most yeah. of the time. Is like they're like, look, we need something now while we're getting everything ready. Like maybe they have the you know maybe they have like you know this whiskey that they're aging, but it's not ready yet. But they need money in the meantime. And that's oh yeah, a lot of it. What has come because uh, is like they come there. I, I don't want to jump ahead. We'll we'll just go. <laughs> we'll keep we'll keep this train moving. I don't want to jump ahead of where we're supposed to be. All right. Um, one such brand whose story is common in the industry is the Tennessee-based Chattanooga whiskey. When they launched their brand, it was illegal for them to distill in Chattanooga, Tennessee. That kind of makes it hard to sell whiskey. So they sourced their whiskey from MGP in Indiana and sold it for a few years before they even put the first drop of their house-made whiskey in a barrel. This allowed the company the leeway they needed to pursue the changing of laws in their area and gave them the ability to earn an income for the company while they were still looking to get fully up and running. There are many brands available on store shelves today that are produced at MGP, and you can't tell from just looking at the label. Uh, in 2017, eight years after the Chattanooga whiskey brand started, they released their first house-made whiskey, Batch 001. Uh, on the bottle, they made sure to imprint the in let letters larger than the logo, made in Chattanooga, Tennessee. <laughs> uh, MGP needs to help its customers differentiate themselves in the market, so along with barrel-aging the bourbons, they also have some neat tricks to change the flavor even more and specialize the product brands or specialize the product. Uh, brands can select a process to be completed on aged bourbons and MGP's workforce of 317, mostly unionized employees, complete the additional finishes. One process they feature on the MGP website is tanking or is taking French oak staves toasted with a mocha-like aroma and flavor and sealing them inside the barrel to finish extracting some additional flavor. Uh, the process allows whiskey brands to have something a little different from the standard MGP recipe. It's difficult to differentiate yourself on a shelf when there are 8 to 10 other products made at the same distillery in the same way, but just with a different label. Yeah, I was going to say, that's that's the problem with a whole bunch of these smaller places trying to yeah. to pick up this, is you're getting the same stuff. Yeah, they've only got, what, what do we say, 8, no, less than that, 6 recipes for bourbon? yeah. Five recipes for bourbon. So you you pick your recipe, and they basic and age in where in the rickhouse it is, and that's pretty much it. I mean, that's that's the the differentiation you have on your bourbon versus somebody else. That's kind it. My recipe has eleven herbs and spices. <laughs> uh, I think M Beam just nailed it in the chat. Rent our bourbon. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. 
in addition to the whiskey MGP sends out to other brands, they do own and market a selection of their own brands. Uh, Till American Wheat Vodka, Tanner's Creek Blended Bourbon Whiskey, and George Remus Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Even their George Remus brand is listed as being from the G. Remus Distilling Company on the website and not listed as an MGP product. At the beginning of this month, MGP launched a new brand you may see on shelves soon, Rossville Union Straight Rye Whiskey. Rossville Straight Rye um, retails for $39.99 or $40 bucks basically per 750 milliliter bottle. Um, Rossville Union Barrel Proof will be available for $70 per bottle. Both products will launch in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Kansas, Minnesota, Missouri, Nebraska, Ohio, and Wisconsin, so all of the Midwest, as of June 2018. What other whiskey brand out there launches to 10 different states, 11 different states? Same time. It's Uh, weird. It's weird and very specific, you know? That's no, that's a tremendous amount of whiskey that you have to put. No one can launch with like numbers like that unless you have a substantial so like yeah. there's no one that had the fundage to have that much to launch with. Exactly. Like, that's like so Bar- barrel proof whiskey. So you're not even like yeah. watering it down twenty percent to get more volume. Barrel proof. That's so. Uh, you got to look at uh, one of the biggest ones that everyone is chomping at the bit. So much for it. They're releasing cocktail kits, kits. The but Castle and Key. Everyone yeah. is dying for any of this bourbon. Yeah. But it's going to be how many more years before we get a taste of anything? Yeah. You know the story. It, it but they aren't cutting corners. They aren't going to MGP or similar companies. I was just thinking to, that during this to check it out to be like, oh, can we, you know, build what uh, kind of what our <clears throat> bourbon's going to taste like? No, they are just like, sorry guys, you got to wait another few years. In the meantime, here's uh, I think they're releasing some kind of uh, corn vodka or ha- something. Yeah, they have a, a a a clear, and they have I think one other thing. But they've made both. Like, they're not outsourcing anything. Yeah. They're, so, they're just like, sorry. like You just have to wait on the bourbon. Just got to wait, guys. And that is what, like, if they could go to someone probably and sneak it under a lot of noses to get something out. And because people are, uh, when I say this stuff is going to be hot, look for Castle and Key because that mm-hmm. is one of the most buzzed <laughs> things. That's or gonna don't. Because you probably won't be able to find yeah, it. Yeah, you won't find that. <laughs> I would love to go down there at some point after they open, though. Yeah, there's a good mm-hmm. history to the distillery grounds that mm-hmm. they are going to be using. We'll, yeah. we'll have to do an episode on those grounds. Ooh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, let me just say, just because the product's from MGP doesn't mean that it's necessarily a bad product. <laughs> they are fairly well-renowned in their rye whiskeys especially. The, the, the companies that do make some of their own whiskeys will go and source their rye specifically from MGP because they do such a good job with rye. So let's get down to your liquor cabinet at home and see how many MGP products you didn't know that you had. You down with MGP? (laughs) Yeah, you know me. Uh, First, let's talk about Diageo. Now, Diageo is MGP's largest customer and has been for many years. The most common product you probably have seen from them is Bullet Rye Whiskey. That's right. Ah, Aussie bullet. Utah, Utah coffee juice. Exactly. <laughs> 2011 and 2013, it won the double gold uh, at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition and actually made, uh, right there, 
in MGP in Indiana. In fact, the story gets deeper when you realize Bullet is a tale of actually two Lawrencebergs, and the Wikipedia page is wrong on this one. Um, I'm not a Wikipedia editor, so I didn't make the change, but um, it it mentions Lawrenceburg in there, but then puts Indiana when talking about the bourbon. That is incorrect. Diageo had the rye produced at MGP in Lawrenceburg, Indiana, and the bourbon is produced at Four Roses Distillery in Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Kentucky. Mm -hmm. So... They're getting from two Lawrencebergs. It's no wonder brands usually don't label their products as produced at MGP. Today, Four Roses doesn't even make all the bourbon used for Bullet as both brands have grown too large. In around 2013, it was rumored that Brown Foreman, Barton, and Jim Beam have all contributed to what's in the bottle of Bullet. If you try to visit Bullet, uh, the stop, the bullet stop on the bourbon trail today, all you'll find is a visitor center and no tours at the old Stitzel Welder Distillery, the place that made Pappy Van Winkle and the most sought after bourbons for many years. So I'll tell you a trick right now. If you're wanting to look at a, at a bottle of bourbon and see if it was distilled at MGP, um, look at the back. Most of the time, um, it'll say bottled by, and then it'll give you a company name. If it, you look down below that and it says distilled by, that's a good sign for that bourbon. They're being very upfront and truthful with you. With you. Um, but you can say distilled at DSP, and that's just the distillery uh, plant. IN, which stands for Indiana, and number one, which is Indiana one is, is the number for that Lawrenceburg MGP distillery. Hmm. So if you see that on the back of your, of your whiskey, it is definitely from MGP. Um, bottled and bond whiskeys are the one whiskey that is required to mention if it is bottled at a different plant than it is uh, distilled at. So it's definitely going to be on there. If it's a bottled and bond, it'll tell you exactly where it came from. Uh, other whiskey brands, they are sometimes more truthful and upfront, and they say, hey, this is where we got it. But anyways, um, you have to give some props to some whiskey brands who actually are proud to list the location of the distillery on the product's websites. George Dickel Rye Whiskey is another large product that lists it was made in Lawrenceburg, Indiana, directly on their site. I think that's probably because they're a Tennessee-based, uh, Tennessee whiskey brand, so they actually have to make the distinction that it's not a Tennessee um, mm. whiskey mm. It, because it's, it's made in Indiana. It can't be called Tennessee. And George Dickel actually calls it George Dickel Tennessee Whiskey on their logo, except on the rides that are made in uh, in Indian. Hmm. Um, there are numerous bourbons and rides made at MGP and marketed under more than 103 different brands. Holy crap, this goes a lot yeah. deeper than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> so most of these brands are going to be considered craft. They're going to market themselves as craft alcohols. Um, they are likely... In my opinion, this is not what you would consider craft when it's made at an industrial level. Um, and the the person that's making the recipes is basically, they sit down and, and, and say, how much can we strip out of this liquor um, and get out of there as much as possible. I uh, am right now picturing that, that image from uh, It's Always Sunny where it's just, but instead of whatever the guy's name was, it just says MGP with all the, the little, you know, uh, Charlie Day kind of like strung out looking. And, yeah. Uh, He's little got pin maps on the wall. With like, the yarn. That don't make sense. <laughs> yeah. A lot of these brands looking at them. So um, 
So yeah. yeah, let's let's run through them. Will it rye? So will it? Uh, that known for a while that they've they've got an old whiskey name, but that distillery is fairly new in their new construction and stuff that they've put out. So their rye that they're getting out there, most of the time it's a two or three year old rye, or a three year old rye, I think. And sometimes they'll put out like a, a four or five year old mm-hmm. as a special, but that's going to be um, around a hundred bucks a bottle for the four year old, and it's an MGP rye. Um, Whistle Pig Old World Rye is $110 a bottle. And cool. what they've got is they do um, the the product and then they'll age it in something else. Sometimes it's, uh, I think the Old World 12 is a um, uh, Madeira wine cask. So they'll take a 12-year-old whiskey and then age it afterwards in a Madeira cask. So I thought the uh, story on Whistle Pig, because um, I was going to do a big shout-out real quick here to Whiskey Vault. Uh, if, you are, if, this, if you were brought to this episode... Something tells me you need to go check out Whiskey Vault. Oh yeah, on their YouTube page. Uh, but uh, they've talked before about Whistle Pig, and I thought they were one of those ones where before they could get up and running and selling their own stuff, <laughs> that they started sourcing from MGP. Is yep. that are they still sourcing stuff from MGP? Yep. And it's my understanding that they're probably not going to come off of that MGP teat for a while. Um, <sighs> speaking of. Uh, there is there is a uh, there's a podcast and and I think everybody here again this one should be another place that you go and look but um, it's called the Bourbon Pursuit and I may have plugged them before yeah but let me get the exact <laughs> show that way I can pull it up here because um, they talk and and talk at length of exactly what what it is that that they're they're getting into when when you're talking about whistle pig uh because whistle pig has boss hog which is a 500 dollars a bottle um whiskey and uh party source is selling it for i think over 700 yeah so that's that's i think it's 500 retail or or direct to uh, to, um, that's ironic considering boss hog trying to stop so M- good old boys. Beam in the chat. We're never doing no harm. I guess found he has the uh, link to raw products that you can purchase from MGP. Mm. It is up in the chat if anyone wants yep. to uh, try and source some rye whiskey, uh, 49% barley malt. <laughs> so uh, go to uh, the Bourbon Pursuit and look for the podcast number 142. It's about a guy named Dave Pickrell, and Dave Pickrell's had his hands in a lot of different distilleries. He was the former master distiller at Maker's Mark. He owns a consulting business where he gets uh, most of his his experience with whiskeys. Um, he is kind of responsible for at least designing some part of about 100 distilleries worldwide, uh, including Whistlepig and Corsair, uh, both pretty big distilleries uh, in, in the the world of craft bourbons. Um, but that interview tells a little bit more about what Whistle Pig does and how it, it kind of changes the, the products that it does get to make them more of something of their own. But it's my understanding that they're still planning to use uh, MGP products fairly regularly because hmm. uh, it's not a huge distillery. Uh, Ten Cup Whiskey, uh, that one's one that's, that's fairly widespread um from the first time i saw it i said that's a brand whiskey that's not a that's not a craft whiskey that's a brand whiskey because it just has that look anytime that you get a special bottle shape that that kind of goes against the norm you know that they've had a marketing company design that out um 
Templeton Rye, that one is one that tried to keep their roots fairly secret. And whenever people were finding out where it came from, they came up in arms over it. Uh, Seagram Seven, of course, the old blended whiskey. Um, mm-hmm. That, you know, you serve with Seven and Sevens, the classic drink. That one's still made there. Um, it's one of the, I think one of the holdovers that was made uh, at the old Seagram's Distillery, and now they just kept make, making it. Um, Smooth Ambler, Old Scout. So, yeah, all your... Indeed, all your uh, Smooth Ambler fans out there, because that, that claim, and I'm talking to you, Jim, claim that... Uh, that they're really good whiskeys. Uh, yeah, they they may be indeed, but they're made MGP, of course. Um, Redemption Rye, another one that's fairly uh, fairly well known and uh, tried to hide their their heritage a bit. Um, James E. Pepper, seventeen seventy six bourbons and ryes are all from there. High West whiskey, High West whiskeys. Um, they use a bunch of different whiskeys from mgp so they still make some of their whiskey where where it's produced uh, or they make it various different places but the key is that they source a portion of their blends from mgp um they're using i think a nine-year-old uh in some of the high west stuff um 1833 bourbon from boone county distilling um uh. and angels mb rye so the angels mb they've they've from the very beginning they didn't really hide too well that they were a sourced whiskey. Um, I know the rye came from MGP. I don't know where the uh, bourbon came from, but I think they sourced it from multiple different uh, sites. So- well, when a mommy corn, a <laughs> daddy, whatever. <laughs> when a, so we start, with, we start with a pistol, and so we get into the <laughs> biology. No, uh, I mean, those are some big names that you see behind the glass cabinets at liquor stores when you talk Whistle Pig and Angel's Envy. Like these are yes. very pricey and sold as you know creme de la creme, premium of the premiums. Yep, and they're behind the counter. They're they're over a hundred bucks a bottle usually. Um, one that just recently came out and in your area, Chris, is from New Rift Distilling, the OKI Bourbon and Rye. They're sourcing both of those from from mgp in indiana and you know it's literally right across the border yeah but i've been wondering where they were going to be barrel aging their stuff because they do have a distillery now they have been cranked they don't even sell any of their own stuff yet in the party source which is you know the owning entity of the distillery and nothing has shown up there but clear spirits and i have been scratching my chin and wondering when we're you know because I was like, I have no idea where their like where their aging facility is and what's going on with that. I was like, the because the distillery's in the parking lot, you can see that column still for miles. But I was like, I I want to know where these barrels are sitting at. Well, the interesting thing is, OKI OKI is one way that that distillery tries to pay homage to its history. So OKI, do you know what it stands for? Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana. Okay. okay. And it's because it's bottled in, or it's made in Indiana, bottled in Kentucky, drank in Ohio. (laughs) And that's their, that's their, their production uh, thing there. Um, People compare it to Smooth Ambler's Old Scout, uh, but um, it's kind of a a smaller scale, very expensive whiskey. And Mm. so it's, um, it's, discontinuing it this year 
because mm. I think they are going to start making their own stuff. Mm. But uh, it, it was originally just designed to get them through the four years they knew they would have to take in order to get a uh, a whiskey of their own. Yeah, I mean they're pretty new, so I, it makes sense if you're gonna if you're just you don't want to wait. That's surprising if they keep doing that, considering they're on the bourbon cra- or craft bourbon trail. Exactly. As of earlier this year, I think they only had about a hundred a bo- hundred barrels left of OKI. Okay. So they couldn't bottle too much more of it. They don't even really showcase it that much at the party source, which is surprising. Yep. Well, I, I think it, whenever it's there, it, it flies off pretty quickly. It's not uh, it's not one that sits on shelves too long. Mm. But yeah, so bourbons from from MGP can range from sort of those those bottom shelves that were just here to make a buck. To we're pretending to be craft, and they're over a hundred bucks. So um, it's all made in a very similar way. All of which is MGP selling wholesale to companies that wish to market the product. <laughs> I misheard you. I thought you said ho sales. <laughs> I was like, no, that's that's illegal. Then <laughs> like multiple fronts. Indeed, um, but they they are looking to market their product and set the price point wherever that company wants to. So MGP says, hey, we'll sell you whiskey at a certain price no matter who you are and then you take that whiskey away do what you want with it and then you set the price based on your marketing so with a good marketing department you can buy the whiskeys probably at ten dollars for an aged whiskey ten dollars in the bottle maybe fifteen dollars in the bottle for what mgp sells you and then you're adding on your own marketing your own um, tactics in order to increase that price to wherever you want it to be um, sometimes it's added value in the fact that you can add in Madeira cask flavoring at the end or something along those lines. But a lot of times it's just, hey, dump and pump, and, and you get it done. can't hear Madeira without thinking that, that any time it's involved, that Ben Franklin would enjoy this. <laughs> <laughs> so many whiskey marketing companies want to make more money, so they source their own juice and resell it at a higher price, just like this. They don't have to buy a steel and learn how to use it, and then buy all the ingredients, and then ferment it and distill them. I, I got this little section here from an article, um, uh, an article that I read online, and I apologize, I can't remember who that is right now, but uh, I'm almost taking it word for word because I think it's very appropriate, and there's a quote in here. Um, so Todd Leopold, master distiller at Denver's Leopold Brothers, has managed to do just this himself, but looks with disdain at those who just buy whiskey off the shelf and market it. He says all they do is hire salespeople, make up a BS story, and boom, they look like a distillery. And you know what? He's right. But it's a business model that current consumer ha- consumerism has allowed and actually welcomed. Uh, we want something new and something special. We don't want to wait for it, and we want the market uh, that MGP is providing. Just that, a source of good whiskey. But the additional hype, the marketing, and the made-up stories, that's what we want. And unfortunately, it sells. Hmm. Yep. So we want we want truth. We want, um, transparency. We want honesty and transparency. And, and in the chat, we've been talking, like the conversation has come up with uh, Furry Viking and a few of us about how a lot of these, uh, like you're seeing, we were discussing with Castle and Key, they can't get a bourbon out yet. That they get simply they have to wait to age it and they won't source out. So they're putting out some clear spirits and that's what mm-hmm. a lot of people are doing and that's what we would prefer. 
And but it's not enough most of the time. I just I just hope they can wean themselves off of the the MGP is great at what they do. That's the sad part. They're absolutely amazing at what they do, and they make some great whiskeys. And so one of the big things that you see when these people start switching over into whiskeys that they make in house, they're not nearly as good. Mm. <laughs> and so you you take it from this company that that has it down to a science. They've got a huge laboratory that's making sure that every little bit inside that barrel is is hitting the right notes. It's got the exact alcohol combinations, the right uh, the right aromas. And then you turn it over to a guy who bought a still last week and he's trying to make uh, whiskey for the first time legally. And so the switchover is difficult, and so it takes a long time for them to kind of learn. Even when you start making that whiskey, it takes it four years to age. It takes you four years to figure out, did you do a good job? And then you have to make a change and figure out, all right, what did I do just now to make that change? Is that going to make a change in, in four years? Yeah, that's, And you have to uh... wait. And so in the documentary that uh, you turned us on to, and I really hope we can turn more people on to, Neat, you yeah. have to watch that. And they talk about what is it you get about three batches is all any master distiller ever really gets to see come to fruition. Of the good stuff that's aged beyond 10 yeah. years or whatever. They, yep. only, they only get to see about three batches of the really amazing stuff. And then like they only get really two tweaks at that stuff. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, because by the time you've hit master distiller status, you're you're forty five, fifty years old usually. Yeah. So. Yeah, you don't have time to see. And yeah, you do you can so I saw M Beam pop up there. You can request samples on the MGP site. I looked at requesting samples. You really have to be a company that's in the planning stages of opening a distillery of your own or opening a company. Um uh, they don't like to give those out to people who um are just kind of on the Hey, this looks judgy. good. I want to try it out and see what it's like. They may do it as a uh, marketing thing um, for us. I don't know. It would probably not go through the website, though. And uh, it, it, my my experience with those forms has been you send in the form like you're trying to order it. And even if I have to pay for it, I wouldn't care. But then you get a salesperson on the other line saying, hey, what can we do for you? Mm. Yeah. And I don't like talking to people. <laughs> not, I don't think not, any of us do. They're not big about sending out a large quantity of free samples, and we're not big on talking to people. Yeah, yeah even I mean, even if it were a two ounce sample, you get enough people who who listen to a podcast where they say there's free samples. <laughs> that that gets intense. Free samples, everyone. Contact MGP directly for your free samples of Angels Envy and Whistle Pig. Yeah, tell them. <laughs> Have a drink since you. <laughs> yeah. They won't get you anywhere. Um, I All do right. have to say one amazing thing MGP has done is make the town of Lawrenceburg smell amazing. <laughs> Entire town. It is a tiny, tiny skid mark of a town except for MGP and uh, the casino. And as you drive through this tiny little town that is those two entities alone, that's the entire town pretty much. Like the the campuses meet, and where they meet is a high school. This uh, high school they, is directly I you down. Said the campus is neat, and I went. No meet. Yes, it is. <laughs> but where where these two come together is a high school that has the best looking facilities I've ever seen in my life, and I imagine it's because the casino and MGP paid for it. But the high school is also directly downwind of <laughs> MGP. 
and the whole town just smells of whiskey. It's glorious. Just to drive through it is a treat. Because it smells of old rye whiskey. Amazing rye whiskey. Mm. My mouth literally started watering during that. Uh, oh. <laughs> well, that's a, a, as good a segue as any. Uh, <laughs> let's get into actually what we're drinking. Drink with me, friend. You guys go ahead. I gotta get a rye. That's... <laughs> Brittany, what, what whiskey are you drinking? Oh. She said, just skip me, man. <laughs> Habit. I deleted myself um, for a reason. <laughs> I was on a different tab. Uh, muscle memory took over. Uh, yeah, I, as I kind of showed off a minute ago when we mentioned it, uh, went out and grabbed for this show uh, some uh, Smooth Ambler Old Scout uh, American Whiskey. It's 99 proof. It is... It's a whiskey. <laughs> uh, they have a description for it which says... Uh, uh, Old Scout American Whiskey is a union of two whiskeys distilled from a classic bourbon mash bills. One is aged in new oak barrels and the other matures in rejuvenated, recharred bourbon casks. While the unique aging excuses the marriage uh, from being called bourbon, it all it shares all the character and drinkability you would expect from a whiskey on the brink of being one. And it does have a very, um, very bourbon kind of flavor to it. Also, I uh, can't help but think every time I hear it is bum 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 But yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's pretty tasty, you know. I agree with Casey. These these guys have it down to a science. They they know how to make whiskey. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, th- th- nothing on this says uh, MGP, uh, but this is uh, it mentions anything about that. But you know, still still pretty good. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Um, the uh, the whiskeys are good whiskeys. The the backstories that they try to put behind them yeah. are yeah. a little forced. I don't. Does this thing have a? Uh, no, I don't think it, it tries to give you like a whole, you know, Pepperidge Farm remembers kind of <laughs> kind of story. But yeah. some of them they're selling because some of them are historic brands. And so they yeah. sell the history of the brand, yep. even though the distillery has been gone for, you know, 40, 50 years. <laughs> even though the distillery has been gone since Prohibition. Yeah, there are <laughs> yeah. some in that instance. All right. Yeah, it's my understanding, actually, Smooth Ambler, um, it's from West Virginia in Greenbrier County. Hmm. So I was thinking whenever I was first looking at them, I was thinking with all the horse imagery and everything, they were like a Texas brand. But mm. uh, but apparently not. Um, they are very heavily built in in West Virginia, and uh, and with that they they say, you know, they're aged in Appalachia, which I'm guess that means probably Indiana at some point too. Maybe. Uh, oh well, Chris. All right. Uh, well, for uh, fridge clearing reasons, I was not drinking to style. But all this talk of rye made my mouth start watering, and I had to pour some. But what I've been drinking has been uh, the Imperial Biscotti Chili Hazelnut Break. Okay, that sounds very busy. It is extremely busy, but extremely good. So this is from Evil Twin. It is an Imperial Stout coming in at 11.5%. Couldn't find any IBUs listed anywhere. Beer like this, there's not going to be many. You wouldn't taste them anyway. Uh, Beer Advocate score of 4.36 out of 5. So that's a 
pretty, pretty good score. Uh, not really screwing around on this one. Uh, the brewery's description is this is an imperial stout brewed with coffee and chili with hazelnut and vanilla extracts added, and you taste everything. A lot of times with a beer this busy, a lot of things will get hidden and fall to the side. And no, I feel like the hazelnut would what be what I would assume would would yeah. hazelnut. Go it, it stands out the most. Huh. It stands out really? the most. Yes. It's it pops real big, and the most subtle is the vanilla out of all of them. But it's a nice light undertone to everything, and that beer was fantastic. And then again, after I, I was saying rye so much, and literally I started salivating, so I had to <laughs> I had to turn to the the old Rittenhouse rye. When you know you have a problem, the old bottle and bond. Casey, you have a problem. Are... That problem is that rye wasn't in his hand. Brittany. Exactly, that was the problem. We had to rectify it. Casey, what a what did what did you turn around and find on your shelf that happened yeah so i looked back there i knew i had um i had actually tried not to buy this product i had heard some good things about it for a long time but i knew that it was a sourced product i didn't realize where it was from um but i knew it was a sourced product and so i eventually um through sales tactics much research. Uh, no, unfortunately, no research. Well, fortunately, unfortunately, I don't know. Uh, from from little research, I was at a liquor barn in Lexington, and the the sales clerk had it sitting on the the. This is our, where our special bourbon goes section, right up by the, the register. And I started looking at it and asking about it, and I noticed the one thing that got me. So it's a twelve year old, but it's sixty one point six three percent alcohol, and I said, okay. I like higher proof bourbons. Um, she was trying to sell me on a uh, 13-year-old of the same brand, but it was a lower proof. It was just over 100 proof, and so I wasn't as big on that. I like I like higher proof bourbons. Um, I like taste my whiskey. Um, so she sold me on this single-barrel 12-year-old Boone County 1833. Um, this is from the Liquor Barn Selection Series 3 Barrel 1. Um, again, it was one of the higher proof single barrels that I had seen being that it was, uh, 61% alcohol. This one's one that's probably been held in a very hot section of the, the still house and, uh, uh, kind of a drier section. So that lets the water kind of evaporate out without letting the alcohol evaporate out as quickly, which is good, uh, for me at least. So it gained some proof, I'm sure, whenever it went into the, uh, went into the barrel and, it comes out quite tasty. So this product reminds me a lot of some um, products that are from um, Buffalo Trace. Mm. There's a lot of that that uh, spiciness to it, and and but also some smoothness. Um, when looking at, so you can tell exactly what mash bill this comes from because they tell the mash bill on the back and what char in the barrels it has. Seventy-five percent corn, twenty-one percent rye. 4% malted barley. There was no wheat, which surprised me. It was a lot smoother than, than what I would expect with 21% rye. Um, with a number four char. This one is full of that BS story stuff, though. <laughs> um, on the back, it's got like three paragraphs long of, In 1857, <laughs> Mr. Schneider's bear got loose and rode half over the town, but he jumped over into Miss Snellen's yard and Perry McNeely caught him and they tied it to a large cable. With back, a chain. back in not, 1857, 
old Snyder started making barbecue chips. <laughs> that's exactly. Hold on. I want to read further in there and see if that's the same guy. What's, no, is uh, it, it's similar to the L8 story on the back of the L8 bottles. Back I mean, in 1880-whatever when... <laughs> it, 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 they get a little little heavy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that word again. There's something wrong with Earth's gravitational field in 1985. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's this one was put into barrel in 2006. I don't think Boone County Distillery has been around as a brand no. for more than five years. No, so. they haven't. Yeah. That was um, one of the things I right, wondered about been... when I started <clears throat> seeing Boone County bottles hit, and I was like, they're not op- like they haven't been operational long enough to be churning out anything like that yet. And then I was scratching my head, and I was like, I'm just not going to buy it. (laughs) They've been brewing, uh, they've been distilling this whole time. Since then, first batch. (laughs) Just finished. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, she talked me into it, and uh, 2015, three years old, and they got a 12, 13-year-old bourbon. Mm. (laughs) So, uh, there you go. Uh, But she talked me into it, and I'm not... uh, I'm not opposed to it. It's a good whiskey. It's a really good whiskey, but it's full of that story BS, and <laughs> that's the that's the bad part about it. Just give me a good whiskey. It's yeah. full of the uh, what was it? Puffery, I believe is the puffery. industry term. Puffery. Hmm. Absolutely. So let's drop the puffery and just put let's put some blanket stories out there. I'll I'll still I'll still direct everyone over to our Heaven Hill episode. Where you want uh, you want a distillery with some real history to it? It's over at Heaven Hill. Mm, mm, indeed. Okie dokie. So you can visit haveadrinkshow.com for useful links and info about us and the show. Also look for Have a Drink Show on social media and twitch.tv. Don't forget, you can tell us your favorite drink, ask a question, or just leave some general feedback. You can use the email address feedback at haveadrinkshow.com. You can also use the feedback page on the website. Unfortunately, you cannot send me cough drops through through the email. Despite that he desperately needs them. He cannot digitally receive they cough are, drops. They are somewhere. I bought them. But you can send... I just can't. I couldn't eat... I couldn't have them and drink whiskey. You yeah, can send yeah. your flaming uh, MGP comments to that email Yes. All joking and fun aside, guys, I'd like to remind everyone to please drink responsibly. Yeah, and uh, check us out next Saturday, hopefully, for our uh, meat space <laughs> all, all in one place episode. All four of us in one place together. Yeah. Bad yeah. things been a are minute. going to happen. Um, it, it's been New Year's Eve since we recorded all together. Oh, geez. Yeah, it has been. Yeah, wow. Okay. And that, that turned out not so good for all of us. So we'll, we'll try and try and do better. All right. I uh, need food. <laughs> uh, so remember to check a, check out patreon.com slash have a drink show. If you want to do a, a dollar, five dollars, two dollars a month, whatever. Um, once again, I am Brittany Lee Walker. I'm dying. <laughs> and I'm Christopher Walker. And that's Justin Frazier. I'm Casey Price. We don't know what are, what's happening. Yeah. How's it going? Together. <laughs> <There you laughs> go. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>